filled with wisdom, and God favored on him. Sitting by the fire after Christmas in a house we've lived in almost 20 years brings memories right to the surface. Stockings that hung on the mantle, ashes on the floor my children claimed were from Santa's boots, and stories read to help put little ones to sleep. One of our favorites was How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss, who always seemed to sprinkle some spiritual truth on the pages, along with silliness and relevant social commentary. In the book, the Grinch, dressed as Santa, steals so much from the little town of Whoville under the cover of night. The tinsel, the lights, the Christmas trees, the presents, even the Christmas roast beast. The only one who catches him is little Cindy Lou Who, who is no more than two. But she is distracted with lies about broken lights and good intentions, and she goes back to bed. The Grinch continues his power-fueled pillaging and waits with eager longing to see the devastation he has caused. But then he's surprised to hear an unexpected sound. The story goes, every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or other. It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler wore out. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? The story seems so quaint this year, doesn't it? This important message of anti-materialism overshadowed by the real-life Grinch of COVID-19 and what it has taken away. So many have shipped and schlepped presents to be opened on Zoom screens and prepared individualized portions of the Christmas feast to drop off on porches. For many of us, it's not the packages, boxes, or bags we are missing, unless the Amazon truck thieves are in the neighborhood or the piles at the post office are growing. But it's the people we're missing, the touch of a hand or a hug, loved ones around us, the grandparents, and the singing. Blessings that can be shared without money or cost, strengthened by the bonds of love and community. Our gospel story today centers on two young parents within the first 40 days of their baby's life. It's a story of blessing and touch, of love and community and sacrifice. Mary and Joseph have journeyed from Nazareth to Jerusalem to Bethlehem back to Jerusalem during a time of emotional and physical exhaustion. These were young people of limited means who could not afford to offer a lamb. So they presented the gift assigned to the poor, a pair of turtle doves. Simeon awaited the entrance of that little family who had so recently been visited by the angels. He trusted that fidelity would bear fruit, and he trusted for a very long time. Simeon knew that revelation comes, especially when we're watching, when we're praying, when we're
we're staying awake, when we're faithful. Revelation comes when we keep dreaming and yearning for a world of peace and an end to poverty and hunger and violence. So when Simeon saw Jesus, he took the child in his bent and crooked arms and he praised God. He whispered or sang to God, you can dismiss your servant in peace. I've seen the glory of the Lord. Simeon blesses Jesus and Mary, but also warns that the divine calling for this child will not come without cost. Many will reject him, and ultimately his journey will lead to death. A sword will pierce Mary's heart. But God's dreams persist despite opposition, rejection, injustice, and death. Likewise, Anna, an 84-year-old prophet and elder of her tribe who resided in the vast temple worshiping and fasting and praying, she proclaims Jesus as the redemption of Jerusalem. Both Simeon and Anna have been waiting a long time to proclaim this news of salvation. They have been steadfast in their belief in God's promise. And that steadfastness, or as some might say in the black church tradition, that tarrying, the abiding in the spirit, well, it's like being in the REM stage of the sleep cycle. REM is that dream stage. And, and in the dream stage, irrelevant information is removed and our capacity to retain what is important is heightened. When we are steadfast in our belief, we deepen our faith. Dr. Marcia Riggs of Columbia Seminary claims that deep faith is not learned primarily as doctrine, but instead through spiritual discipline and practices such as prayer and fasting. Like Simeon and Anna, as our faith deepens, the need to tell others about it will well up in us. And then we too will not keep silent. On the first Sunday of Christmas, today we are fresh off receiving the good news of Jesus Christ, love incarnate, born into the world. And because Christ is born, God is with us. We can't help but speak up and speak out. This good news of great joy for all people wells up inside of us and can't be contained or privatized or confined. Now we are part of God's work of restoration, God's work of redemption promised in Jesus Christ. We can't fall asleep or be distracted from the harsh realities facing so many around the globe, as well as those in our midst whose lives are diminished by things like racist policies that impoverish their neighborhoods and schools, as well as those dreamers, children of immigrants who've grown up in the United States. Carved into the stone at the original Fairmount Church entrance, which is now located in the Garth, is a biblical question from the Old Testament. Is it well with the child? How will we answer this question of our spiritual ancestors? How will we answer when the infant mortality rate in Cuyahoga County, particularly for black babies, is among the worst in the nation? Is it well with the child? How will we answer when the inequities in internet access in certain neighborhoods mean that some children can't participate in school. Is it well with the child? How will we answer thinking about the children growing up in the pâtés of the Dominican Republic 
for whom Fairmount has pledged 25 years of support. Is it well with the child? Meanwhile, as we've grappled with crises posed by a global pandemic and by racial and political reckonings, let us not forget that there are still 545 children separated from their parents at our southern border. The parents of those children cannot be found for any number of reasons. Some have been deported back to their countries of origin or in hiding out of fear for their lives that led them to seek refuge here in the first place. In some cases, officials on the ground do not have full names or addresses of the parents or they have the wrong names and addresses. Whatever the reason, the outcome is that these children have been orphaned and largely forgotten. And one can only imagine what Christmas must have been like for them or for their parents without access to their children or assurance of their welfare. So we who gather and hear the story of Simeon and Anna blessing the infant Jesus and his mother Mary, we're the ones who can't remain silent. We have to go tell it on the mountain. We have to go tell it in the streets. We have to tell it to our own hearts and to our neighbors. God's dreams persist despite opposition, rejection, injustice, and death. We have to keep faithful watch, for redemption is at hand. The Grinches of this world cannot steal Christmas. Though there may be years, it comes without presents or treasured traditions even without robust group singing and hand-holding and hugs all around. But maybe Christmas means perhaps just a little bit more. In the words of Dr. Howard Thurman, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others.